Welcome back to the Rewind That Tape podcast. This is your host, Mr. Stromboli. I'm Dr. Cash. And I'm Jay Probs. And today we're going to be talking about our daily storylines. And actually, today we're going to be going through our trade trade ideas for this year in the NBA. I mean, we've watched a few of the games. We've seen some mm-hmm. teams are getting close to the quarter mark of the year. And now we're going to start talking about who will be on the trading block. Starting off with Lonzo Ball. Let's give it to Probs. Yeah, so um, there's been multiple rumors that the Pelicans are trying to trade Lonzo Ball. I mean, he's been quite up and down this season. I mean, yeah, he's he's had a couple really nice games. I mean, he's shot the three ball well. He's shown really good flashes, and then there's some games he just disappears. Yeah, and I think I don't know why uh, New Orleans wants to get rid of him because he fits their molds. He's gonna grow as a young player, but. Nonetheless, they are trying to trade him. So um, some trade partners that I think should be considered are for sure the Clippers because they have a huge void at point guard. And um, also the Miami Heat, I think they should be looking to pair some with Tyler Harrow. I think Drogic is nearing the end of his career, and I think having someone there... um, like ball for the long term future is what they need. Yeah, I think uh, for the Pelicans, um, ever since trading Drew Holiday, just this season hasn't been what they expected. Last season, they're competing for that playing spot for the eight seed, and this season, they have a losing record. They dropped one to the exactly. Kings recently. So, yeah, and just the way Lonzo Ball has been playing, like he had that great year yeah. last year, but so far, just hasn't been. What the Pelicans need from him, like production wise, right now. So, and the starting could, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I could definitely see um, maybe a move with the Clippers in a swap with Patrick Beverly, Lonzo Ball, and maybe the Clippers also mm-hmm. uh, put in a second second rounder in there because honestly, Patrick Beverly, like, yeah, he's he he brings uh, he brings the fire to that team and brings emotion. Yeah. But honestly, like right now, if the Clippers situation, they're finals contenders i'd go with ball the younger man right now and that even if that means giving up a second rounder for him um, yeah i think i think yeah. Lu can for sure unlock some of that potential that um lonzo has and i think his his passing ability will really complement some of the scores on the team yeah, yeah i completely agree with you there because just looking at the situation the pelicans are in right now they're not getting what they want from lonzo ball and mm-hmm. it really might not help him much either but it's um, they're just going to have to get rid of him and a future money problem too. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. it also goes to the point that Lonzo is still averaging 12 points a game, fourth leading scorer on the Pelicans, and they're still open to trading him, which That's back to amazing. what Rubs said earlier, yeah, I mean, yeah, he fits well in the in the system, and they've played decently well with him, which is, is shocking that they still want to trade him, but I just – I just think it's tough to get a trade done with the Clippers with what they already have going there with mm-hmm. the guards that they have there. I think another interesting thing was would be something with along the lines with the Bulls because I know they're trying to yes. get rid of Levine, who's a, a good shooter, and I think that could also help the Pelicans. Yeah, I think the the one thing is with the Bull trade like that, I think you're looking at a forward room that's really heavy. I mean, if the Pelicans, yeah. maybe they want to, Flip Levine or something, but you already got Brandon Ingram and Lon or Zion in there. I mean, I don't, I don't really see how 
Levine fits in there, unless unless of course he's a bigger point uh, shooting guard. I think I think something like that could for sure fit because this team. I just look at it and it, they, it looks like they have a lot of bigger players and uh, lack of um, point guards and guards really. That's yeah, lack yeah. Of I guards. think yeah. I don't know if it's really that the Bulls want to get rid of Levine or if it's like mm-hmm. Levine's just. He knows he can do more on a team and maybe get yeah, to exactly. the finals. So yeah, I don't. I, the Bulls, I think, in my opinion, they want to keep him, maybe build around him after what they've seen so far this mm-hmm. year. But yeah, I could definitely see Levine on the move, and it what could be turned out to be interesting is some sort of swap where Randall goes to Chicago, Levine heads to New York. Just that could be interesting. But I think if it was a Levine to New York trade, I don't. I don't think. Randall be involved, but definitely something yeah. to keep in mind because those two players are both having breakout seasons. And um, for the for the Knicks, it's more of a thing where like you want to build around Randall, or you want to trade Randall and maybe get another piece you can build around. Because mm-hmm. we've also seen RJ Barrett yeah. have a really good year. Um, so yeah, this Knicks team definitely a lot of questions. But for Zach Levine, I think um, I would honestly be patient in Chicago. Uh, this yes. year, like, because Kobe White has so much more room to grow, Lori mm-hmm. Markkinen has so much more room to go Patrick. to grow. Yeah. So, I agree. Yeah, Patrick Williams, exactly. Yeah. So it's more of a how much how much patience do you have if you're Zach Levine with this franchise? Yeah, the exactly. Bulls are really young, and and I think Zach is right now. He might express express his displeasure with the organization, but I mean. No, yeah, he got to do that. I mean, yeah, he he has a right when he's scoring twenty six points per game. But the thing is, it's hard to trade your best guy without getting some the meaningful stuff. And to throw back what I, I mean, he's playing a, a shooting guard, and he he's a big shooting guard, as Probs mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, on this Bulls team, and he's been able to score well. I think there's a few things that need to work for the Bulls in order to get them back, and I just think a little bit of patience. One more draft and you're in your back because you have Cody White, you have people still growing. Carter Jr. is still growing. Yeah, yeah. We already talked about it. Patrick Williams is another player that's still growing. And so, I mean, you guys, you have like a few guys that are in double digits already. So you're not even looking at a bad team right now. You're just looking at a team that's just not there yet. They're not exactly. That's 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 uh, the point I was about to bring up because. This team isn't bad. Like they're not like Pistons or even like uh, Wizards bad. Like this team, they're they're young, and, and if you put another star on that team, I they're for sure a playoff team. Yeah, and yeah, I think they're, some of those they're tier above the bottom. Right, right. Saying. Yeah, they're they're probably in that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like tier below uh, Hawks kind of caliber teams. Yeah, and I think some of those losses that they've been having that are showing up on the record have been really close. Like. Maybe yeah. one or two scores. So I think that like, this team can stay competitive in mm-hmm. games. Exactly. This team re- kind of reminds me of what's going on in Washington, where they've been able to win, but against who? And, and they have way more wins than Washington, and Washington just can't play defense. This is a team mm-hmm. that we've seen that can play a lot better on defensive side of the ball and still can score well. So I think it should be interesting how how Zach Levine kind of waits this out because. I mean, you're looking at a team that well, you're looking at a team that could potentially be a ten seed and uh, playing that playing game to get into the playoffs as well. So I mean, but I, like, I think it's a more interesting situation for the Bulls. Yeah, and I think Levine, like you add him to a team that like like the Celtics maybe or the Kings, and 
I look at that and they're contenders. Like, like yeah, both those yeah. teams. Take the yeah. Kings for example. You've got De'Aaron Fox and Zach Levine on a team, and and Marvin Bagley, and I think that that makes a really like that's playoff competition yeah. for sure. And, and, I think, and you throw in some outside shooting, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. If I was if I was the Bulls, like your team is super young right now, and if you were to trade Levine, who's 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 not young like Kobe White young, but still relatively yeah, exactly. mid twenties. So if yeah. I was the Bulls, like if I was trying to do a trade with Sacramento, like I'd maybe go with trying to get Bagley because he's in his third or year and he, he's still or Halliburton. Yeah, yeah he's still, Halliburton. still have so much, so much room to grow. And it could end up being a win win for both sides. But mm-hmm. yeah, Levine's definitely one of those guys that every team's gonna be looking out for. Yeah, and I think for the Bulls' perspective on that trade, like we've already mentioned, this team is young. So if you're going to trade away one of your older guys and Levine's still on the young side of the spectrum in the NBA, yeah, sure. you want to either get a pick or you want to get somebody's oh, yeah, guy that they've, they, yeah, that they've already picked in the past three years. So I think Halliburton would be a great mention for the Kings as well as... Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I wish... Bagley would be available. I, I just don't think Sacramento will put him on the table. I mean, yeah, for sure. If if they're able to get if they were able to get Levine with picks, I would not be surprised to see Sacramento knock off some teams or potentially make a run in the playoffs. I, yeah, I mean, I think sure. coaching is I think coaching is interesting there, but still, I, I think that would make the the Western Conference even more interesting than it already is, and we already have a lot of teams there. Exactly. So I mean, Zach Levine could be a big piece here as we look as as we go through the NBA season. I mean, that stems off from the New York stuff. I mean, excuse me, the New Orleans stuff with Alonzo leaving. I know he's expressed interest in leaving as well, and I think that's kind of like a mutual thing. But my prediction on Zach Levine is he's not going anywhere. What do you guys think? Is he going to go somewhere, or is he staying in Chicago this year? I I think uh, Chicago. This is really difficult for me because it's just like the Washington thing. Do you want to keep your most talented player on the team or do you want to milk the most value out of him and maybe build for the future? And I think the one thing is Beal is like in his prime. I think Zach Levine might might not be might be entering his prime, not in his prime yet. So I think Chicago keeps him for a couple of years, and I, th- I think they build around him because he's so talented, and I think you have a good coach in Tom Thibodeau, or, sorry, Billy Donovan, and you, um, and he, he's been, he's yeah, had he, good teams. He's made teams. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry, lots of words, and I think you have the young pieces, and like, like you said, I think a couple more drafts, and then they'll be, they'll be in the mix for sure. Yeah, before I think Cash before Cash jumps in, I just wanted to add to Prubs's point here. Billy Donovan has done it before with young teams. We saw OKC go from zero to hero last year with a relatively young team. So I just wanted to add in that that's kind of like his thing, like kind of doing what the unexpected is. And I think that also adds a little bit to Zach Levine's interest in staying. I'm gonna give it back to Cash. Look, Levine is a solid talent. Just like Prub said, I don't know if he really has entered his prime yet. And the way Billy Donovan coaches, like he coaches so well with young young guys. So I think the only way Levine gets traded is if they get an asset like Marvin Bagley or uh, let's just say a Tyrese Halliburton or you know someone in that in that age group. Um, 
in return for Zach Levine, along with some picks or additional role players. Because the way Donovan builds is he maximizes the talent of young players. Like if he got a Russell Westbrook, if if he got an offer for Russ involving Zach Levine, I don't know if that's a situation where the Bulls would take the deal because of the way that Billy Donovan coaches. Yeah, I think it's just he's good with young yeah. players and he can develop this team for sure. Yeah, and I think it's going to ultimately come down to the front office and I just and I mean it all it always does, right? But I think Zach Levine also says like, "Hey, we're not even having a bad year. Let me just give it one more year, give it a chance cuz this is a potential playoff team." Right. These guys are These guys are ranked they guys these guys are the 11 seed right now. They're a couple games out of being in contention for that playing game, and mm-hmm. they have that. They have they have what it takes. Like, I think they're a team that could take down the Knicks and Hornets, kind of. Um, yeah, maybe not the Raptors, but you know, you never know. I mean, with Levine, it's um, just the way he performs is at a high level. Yeah. He sets himself to a high standard, and although this team, look, this team lost to the Blazers at a as a at a buzzer beater. Kept it semi-competitive with the Lakers. Um, so, yeah, this team, when Levine is playing well, I think it's just a matter of time before the rest of the team adjusts to his playing style yeah, around I him. Think, I think one thing is, like, this team could be um, – I know, like, before the season, at least I was thinking that the Wizards, you know, number eight seed, I think that's where these kind of teams in the East, like the Cavs, the Bulls, that they've kind of gone into – yeah, it should be interesting to see what what kind of he pulls out of here, mm-hmm, and sure. it's gonna be a situation that the whole league is monitoring because this guy's such a lethal shooter. We're yeah. gonna go ahead and move on to JJ Reddit, who is lost his playoff streak last year, might I just add, yeah. which is disappointing on its own. But now he's sitting again another New New Orleans player that is on the trading block, which which leads me to the question before we get into where we think J.J. Redick is going to go, is, is New Orleans like, what's going on, man? Yeah. I mean, I mean this is a team that's supposed to be uh, – I'm sorry, before you go yeah, ahead. No this is a team that's supposed to be, like, young and, and ready to go, and and they were supposed to run for that AC last year, and we've just seen a meltdown happen since the bubble. Yeah, yeah I think, I think uh, definitely New Orleans. Um, that's it's, – it's time to hit the panic button there because – Brandon Ingram's having a pretty good year. Zion Williamson averaging about 24 a game. It's just something's not clicking with this team. Like, you're just seeing average numbers, and that's not what is expected of a team with Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Balls, Zion Williamson. And then, yeah, as we were saying, J.J. Redick, who's also been involved in some trade discussions. So, yeah, definitely time to hit the panic button. As for the situation in New Orleans, I think it's it's – I don't think Van Gundy was the answer there in the head coach position. Yeah, I think this team has been one of the the biggest letdowns. I mean, they're um, 19th in the league in scoring. I think that's a huge issue when you have Zion, Brandon Ingram. And I think um, some of these experiments that they've had, like bringing in Bledsoe, bringing in Adams, they have not worked at all. And when you have a group of of young guys like this, um, they need to get momentum and take that momentum and um, really push it because they're they don't have the experiment experience. Sorry to um really 
bounce back or something like that. And so I think that um, they have not had um, any momentum. And I think their coach has not been um, yeah, really like giving them any kind of momentum. And I think that's where it's the biggest issue for the Pelicans. I think they, they have the talent. They just need to figure it out. And they have. Yeah, the exactly. In, in, in it's maybe with in some of these trades where they get a pick, they can take advantage of that. But yeah, back to the, what we were saying about JJ Reddick. For me, I personally think he need, if if uh, a team that's offensively depleted, like the Magic, or it's been surprising to say this, but the Mavs could be in desperation for a guy like Reddick. Any every team needs a guy like Reddick, like just to give you a consistent three point shooting. But definitely like yeah. teams like Orlando and Dallas, maybe even Houston. What do you think here, Stromboli? I mean. You know this guy's a great shooter, but what do you yeah. think is the best fit for him? Not where you think he'll go, but best fit. You know, I think Dallas is an interesting point with what they've got going from beyond the arc this year. But to be honest, I know, I know this is this is already one of his uh, preferred destinations, but I think, honestly, something in New York with the Knicks mm-hmm. could work fantastically because they have some young players with, they they have Randall on the inside and Barrett's been playing well as this year, but you can have a guy that just sits there and spots up and knocks down shots. I mean, I think that turns the Knicks into an, an a level up, and they've been playing well this year, ten and thirteen. They're sitting right outside that eight seed, and the East yeah. is kind of a mess. So I mean, when you have Reddick going out there and just knocking down a few threes, and not to mention this guy's clutch too, he can make it at any time during the day. So I mean, and considering all of that. I think New York is somewhere where I'd like to see him go uh, mm-hmm. for him, like to play him. I think another good one in the West. I mean, I already, I, I think we already talked about Dallas. I think that would be a good fit, but yeah. still, I, I wonder why Portland, I mean, excuse me, New Orleans, they need, they need to like, that's just more frustrating to me that they, they have the pieces, they can do it. They just can't. I think another, yeah interesting place would would be denver and i I, we haven't really talked about it and i don't think they're going to trade for him but you have jamal murray who can already knock down shots you don't have to force the joker to play outside except for on the pick and roll and you had another guard that can shoot hot he can get hot i guess a rhythm shooter because i think jamal murray's great already doing that but now you add a second threat i don't see that team losing as badly to the lakers or or I, I see them being a lot more competitive in that sense. But, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you guys think about that? The Nuggets, that could be interesting. I mean, I don't know, because I think they already have players like um, like Gary Harris that, I mean, they're younger players and they're shooters. and They're more than shooters. They're dynamic players. So, And Michael Porter Jr., so I'm not sure. Because this trade for Reddick is for sure going to take some of those young players, and I'm not so sure Denver is ready to give them up, but maybe a second rounder and a first rounder or something like that, then I'd be down for it because you can um, insert JJ Redick in there and he just opens the floor up so much for um, Jokic and uh, Murray. And I think that just helps the offense click just like that. But um, one more thing I'd like to go back is that Dallas, because I think after trading away Curry, Seth Curry, it's been, devastating their three-point percentage because first Luca's not hitting his shots and they don't really have a consistent three-point shooter so I think they gotta 
find something, and I think Redick or someone like Buddy Heald could be the answer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Luca, KP, they just haven't been able to knock down those perimeter shots, and I think a big part of that is that loss of Steven Silas to the Rockets. I mean, mm-hmm. Silas was that was a big part in that master plan of the historically great offense last yeah. season. Um, yeah, I, I, that that definitely has been evident with just the way the Mavs have been playing. It's like kind of uh, every possession when you watch them is like three pointer or some kind of bad shot at the end of the shot clock. So mm-hmm. I think a diff, they're going to have to work around a different game plan. And yeah, like you said, a spot up three point shooter like Buddy Heald or JJ Redick could definitely help that situation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, back to my point. I mean, yeah, yeah. I just want to also wanted to add that. The Mavs, they have assets that they can give up. Like, if they need offense, they can give up players like Dwight Powell or Josh, Maxi Kleber, yeah, Jack, Maxie, yeah. yeah anyone yeah. like that. Because they after they thought Josh Richard, Josh Richardson could be set a little bit of Seth Curry offensively, and then better yeah. Seth Curry defensively was the main part. But hopefully, they're able to get it back intact because uh, they're 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 in trouble if they don't have offense. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Dallas, Dallas, we've seen them be so up and down this year with what they got. And we saw a good win against Atlanta today where they were able to control some of that offense and play some better defense. And I think that's that's what they needed to do all year. Am I saying they can do it? I'm not sure because, once again, as Cash already implied, Seth Curry had a lot of that offense. Mm-hmm. And they he took it over. Yeah, and, and he made sure that you can't leave him open and you can't leave Luca open either. So now you have to guard two players on okay, the outside dude. and it opened it up for KP. It opened it up for Hardaway Jr. And I, I think that's a, a big loss that Dallas had that they're looking at right now at the start of the season saying, oh my gosh, what did we just do? Because yeah. Richardson's been playing his game, but unfortunately his game is not the same as Seth Curry's game and he does not have much as much respect as Seth Curry has. So mm-hmm. I think that also has to do with it because now they don't have to they don't have to guard an extra shooter and they now can focus on the two main guys in Dallas. And I think like you guys said, JJ Reddick, Buddy Heald, guys that can shoot. That can just sit there and shoot. Yeah. I think that's what I mean and Dallas's whole mentality is like three and D. I think it's a lot of the Southwest Western Conference with uh minus the spurs they got everything going differently with pop but dallas houston uh pelicans had it for a while it's it's three and d and i think i think i I just i i just wanted to say like this this mistake of offense like it, it also leads back to drafting because a few years back the mavs were the ones who drafted shake milton out of smu and they traded him to Philadelphia, and I, to this day, I think I still think that was one of the biggest mistakes they could have made. And it obviously it all comes; it starts from one place where a whole situation goes down bad. But I just I always think back to then because Milton's mm-hmm. terrific on offense, and he's just what that Dallas Dallas team needs. And maybe somehow if they package Richardson to Sacramento or New Orleans and get a J, yeah. uh, JJ Redick or Heald in return, definitely you'll see some improvements. I think one of the biggest templates for the Mavs is the Sixers because they have um, two guys who are worse at shooting, I might say, than Luka or KP. 
and they just surround him with shooters and it's opening up the floor and that's the Sixers because you have yeah um Danny Green, Seth Curry, and um, they're just opening the floor for people like Simmons, um, Embiid, and then you have Maxi, and just like you said, Milton, who are also shooting the ball well and scoring. So I think that's something that the Mavs can look at as like maybe a template or something like that. Yeah, I think that brings up a great point because you see the Mavericks kind of try to be their own identity, but with Mark Cuban in the front office that they have, and I think bringing up the Sixers is a great point to use as kind of something that you guide off of, especially what we've seen in the past mm-hmm. with Oklahoma City and, and Brooklyn and Golden State. I mean, we, we see all these teams kind of uh, – Miami started it all, the original super team, and then we saw, kind of saw teams take passion after that. So I think that's like something that is is adopted here in the NBA where mm-hmm. it's it slowly gets popular, but – I think the biggest thing for Dallas is you got to figure out what you guys are doing wrong, which is, I mean, that's that's an obvious answer. Like you, every NBA team has to do that. But for Dallas, it's not about figuring it out and then fixing it. It's about figuring it out and then using it. Rick Carlisle is one of the smarter coaches. I mean, we see it in college basketball all the time where they pick the right match matchups. Mm-hmm. I know I see it in the Big 12 a lot with – the teams that are playing there and that's why they're at the top of the at the, the top of college football college basketball excuse me and when i look at that in the nba i don't see it as much it's all about me it's all about what i can do and we see that in brooklyn and in philadelphia and in teams like that where they're focused on their one-on-one matchup instead of focusing on hey that guy's playing a seven foot center and we see it we see it to a point. I'm not saying we don't see it at all, but I'm saying there's a lot more shots that are taken that shouldn't have been taken in the NBA. And I think Carwell is a great example of a coach that tries to limit those shots, and that's why Luka has been able to play so well. And also, I just want to note, mm-hmm. there has been a lot of frustration on Luka's side that we have not seen before. Exactly. Fo- yes. I mean, we, we've, been fo- uh, we've been following the kid for a while, I mean, because he's been one of the stars. But, I mean, I'm going to throw it to Cash here in a second, but we, I, I don't know. I, I don't think Luca. I didn't think Luca was going anywhere to start this season. But I have never seen him call out his teammates before, even if he's calling out the entire team and himself. I've never seen that from Luca before. I've never seen this frustration from Luca before. Watching the Hawks game today, and you could see it on his face that they still won the game and he was still not happy. I mean, is is there a chance we see a departure from Dallas from Luka Doncic? I don't know. That's a simple answer. There's it's it's no. There's no way, in in my eyes, that I see Luka going from Dallas. Although there's so many rumors out there, and just don't listen to that because Luka's not going to go anywhere. Because I think the frustration side of this is. Um, just because of the maturity and growth that Luke is having with this team, I mean, he's obviously upset. The man's young, trying to get wins. Because before tonight, they had the same record as the Orlando Magic, and that's not where the Dallas Mavericks are as a team, especially with the addition of Josh Richardson. Um, they just haven't been performing up to par. Um, so I think that's just that's a maturity thing, and he's growing and calling out his teammates. Look, it it wasn't in a bad way really, but it was just way like. Guys, we gotta step up. Like this isn't this isn't anything what we should, um, 
and he, he he's he's just being honest with the media, and I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's there's anything to any concern for Mavs fans, but from a standpoint of wins and losses, I mean, I think a move's got to be made, um, and and it's got to be offensively uh, from looked at from an offensive perspective. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's interesting. I think the whole move in Dallas is interesting. Because I, I think it's also interesting to add that Seth Curry played great defense against the Clippers that we saw in the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and they lost that. And I don't know if Richardson is really the same guy that they thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, don't, I, mean, it, I thought that trade was kind of a lopsided one. We are so high on the Southwestern Conference to start the year. And yeah. We've look, we look at this year now, and I think the best team in the conference is Memphis currently. I mean, I'm not looking at anything, so I couldn't confirm that. And we have teams, the, our best two teams, quote-unquote, the best two teams in the conference, Dallas and Houston, at the start of the year, are now zeros right now. Right now. I'm not saying, either, either, I'm not saying Dallas can't come back. I, I'm not sure what's going on in Houston, to be honest. That's a murky town right now, but... We have another situation in Dallas where we don't know. San Antonio is doing their mediocre basketball, and then I think the Grizzlies have a losing record. That's that's just impressive to me that you can see you can have all of that in one year from a division that could have been the most competitive in the mm-hmm. NBA. Yeah, yeah, that will do it for this segment. We are now going to move it on to some. Probs with the dubs. I'm going to give it over to Probs. Yeah, so um, today's is probably the dubs. I'm actually going to go with the top team in the NBA, the um, Philadelphia 76ers. Um, they are 16-6, and four-game winning streak. That's the highest in the league. And they are taking the biggest dub because they are playing a lot better than anyone else except for the Lakers, maybe. They're... The second best team, the Bucks, are two and a half games behind, which is kind of crazy. And um, and Bede's been playing at a high level. Um, Simmons has been playing at a high level, and um, yeah, they're just really roasting the other every every sing, single team that they play. They've been roasting them, and I think um, the Seventy Sixers are on a roll, and um, don't see them looking back anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems to be like the 76ers are, are definitely top of the East right now, and they could potentially have the material to be the one seed. I mean, it should be interesting for them. They should be excited with what they have so far, the process finally coming to finally a full circle. Yeah. All right. That will do it for today's episode of the Rewind That Tape podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you check out our social medias. Wherever you go, Instagram, Twitter, Halftime, Bleacher Report, everywhere. And also check out our website, rewindthattape.com, for awesome articles every single week. Make sure you subscribe and be on the lookout for the RTT YouTube channel in the near future. Peace.